This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, Plantation. Wow. Wow. Happy Sabbath, Plantation. It's such a joy to be here and to have been given the privilege to share God's message with His children from all walks of life. And I'm looking in the congregation, I'm seeing some very special faces, and I want to acknowledge these individuals even now. But permit me to thank my pastor, Pastor Rose, for the opportunity to share in his pulpit. Let me thank also Pastor Kevin for your kind accommodation and your friendship. Really appreciate you and what you give to the body of Christ. Pastor Rose is a very special pastor to me. And he would not have known that until I shared it with him just on Wednesday evening. Over 10 years ago, he preached a sermon and I never forgot that title. The title of the sermon was God's New Thing. And that sermon was preached from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And my life has never been the same since I heard that sermon. Thank you, Pastor Rose. I want to thank also special individuals who would have arranged for me to get here. Ella Smith. Ella Smith and I met on a prayer line. And she just called one day and she asked me, Pastor, would you be willing uh, to share with the brethren at Plantation SDA Church? And without any reservation, I said to her, I sure would. And that is how the Lord led us here today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sister Lourdes, a wonderful woman of God who asked me to share on that Zoom platform. And today, by God's grace, I'm standing in your presence today. Isn't God awesome? He's amazing. And thank you so much. Yes, I have some very special individuals here. I've been longing to see them, and they're here in the congregation. And I've seen their beautiful faces. I'm going to invite them to stand. I know some of them don't like this, but I cannot help this at this moment. In the congregation is one whom I consider to be my mom, one who has nurtured me, one who has groomed me, one who has helped me to be who I am today. And I cannot, by the grace of God, not acknowledge her presence. Sister Avery Thompson. Would you please stand and be at now? <laughs> Amen, church. Amen. This is my mom, and you take care of her. Oh, my goodness. And I've seen her and her family, uh, my sisters around. I want to acknowledge them as well. Please stand, Diane, come if you could, and be acknowledged. Amen. Wow. I, I, I'm seeing the faces even as I call them now. I'm seeing behind some other family members, Sister Yasmin Shan. <laughs> and she's instrumental for me being here today. In fact, she was the one who introduced me to Mrs. Thompson and family, and I'm so happy, uh, Uncle Calbert and the family, for having introduced me to this wonderful family, Mrs. Thompson. Mrs. Shan, would you stand and be acknowledged? <laughs> yes? Amen, church? And in that same role, I have a number of my cousins. Would you just stand and be acknowledged? I have Sister Toya. Anisha, and I have uh, Rochelle, Diana, they're here to support by the grace of God. Amen? I'm seeing Janelle Morrison. Janelle is here, a student at the University of Technology, and she's here, and she's on vacation, I believe, here in Florida. Janelle, please stand and be acknowledged. I pastored her in Jamaica, and she's in Plantations Church today. I want you to take good care of her. And I, I noted one of my math professors, Mr. Rand, Dr. Randy Robinson, uh, on this hand over here. Dr. Robinson, would you stand? And so to those who heard me doing the calculations, I learned from him. <laughs> Thank you so much for all you did, sir. I, I noted they walked in earlier, and I may miss some persons, but forgive me. My very best friend, my very best friend, we grew up together. In fact, we got baptized the same time. And he's now residing in the state of Florida, and I'm happy to have him and his dear family here. Brother Lackley Williams, he's on my far left. Would you please stand and be acknowledged at this time? Amen, church? And, and, and standing with them are their 
their joy and pride of their lives, Alexandria and Alexavia, who celebrated their first birthday on Wednesday. Amen, church? Amen. We're thanking God for you. And to all my colleagues from Northern Caribbean University, I met a few persons, and I noted that a number of you are here. May God continue to bless you. And I've just been blessed being here and sharing with God's wonderful children. When we started on Wednesday evening, we looked at Dr. Robinson's divine calculation. We looked at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 32, reading from the clear word version of the scriptures, where God actually demonstrates that he permits a lesser evil in order not to have the greater evil come upon us. And then on last evening, I wanted to share with the brethren what I've met and acknowledge in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the God whom we serve, and doing some mathematics, I found that God is an advanced God. He's the God who goes before us. And as declared earlier, he's the God who not only goes before us, he goes into our future, he comes back into our present, and he takes us where he wants us to be. We serve a mighty God. And today we want to share briefly from the word of God as recorded in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. We're looking at lessons from a simplified life. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. And I want to thank again the praise team. Church of God, I was blessed by the ministry of the praise team. Amen? And I'm always grateful seeing young people lifting up the name of Jesus to those on the cameras, to those in the tech room. Thank God for your ministry and may he continue to bless you always. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 reads, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us plantation lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're looking at lessons from a simplified life. Father in heaven, you are here. We can feel, Lord, the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that you are the one who guide into all truth. And so even now, Lord, as I open your words, I pray that your hearts of your children will continue to digest them and use them to glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, for what you'll do in this place. For the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Hebrews is one of my favorite books in the Bible. But oftentimes, this book has been debated as to who the author is. My brothers and sisters, there are some who consider the author to be Paul. There are others who consider it to be other writers for different reasons. But for me, standing here today, my brothers and sisters, I'm just happy that God inspired the book of Hebrews. I'm happy for the way the writer of the book of Hebrews has constructed this book. And the book of Hebrews highlights a number of things, but significant to the book of Hebrews are a number of things. And Paul highlighted, or the author highlighted this way, he highlights it to be the God who is the better God. He highlights it throughout Hebrews that amidst all that happened in the Old Testament, and no other book quoted from the Old Testament sanctuary system than the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. What it highlights, my brothers and sisters, is that God is the one who does things better. So he highlights throughout the book that Jesus is the better sacrifice. He highlights in the book that Jesus is the better lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He highlights that Jesus is the better priest than that which was found in the Old Testament. He highlights that Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is the better high priest that stands between God and humanity. But in the 
11th chapter of Hebrews as we have been speaking of this week and throughout the rest of these 10 days of prayer. And again, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to dive into these readings that have been shared by the General Conference. In these 10 days of prayers, our emphasis has been on the power of faith. I want God's children to be reminded, and it's a reminder because you already know it, my brothers and sisters, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and plantation, verse 6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. If you don't believe that God is, you'd never learn how to serve God. And when you believe that God is, you'll believe also that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to transition now to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 11 highlights a number of individuals who have had faith experience with God. We're talking about Moses, Daniel, and all these individuals of old. But I'm happy for verses 40 in this text. It says, my brothers and sisters, all these that have gone down through the ends of faith, without us they will not receive the promise. And chapter 12 starts this way. It tells us, my brothers and sisters, that the author and the finisher of faith is not a man in Moses. The author and finisher of our faith is a man in Christ Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. For this time, I want you to permit me to share Jesus. He began before a beginning, but I want to, especially for this context, focus as Christ, on Christ as author as to when his earthly ministry began. And, and there's some things that we can learn from his life. Matthew chapter 3 Verses 16 through 17 tells us that Jesus walked out of the carpentry shop where his father Joseph would have taught him how to use a hammer, use a saw perhaps, my brothers and sisters. He walked out of the carpentry shop and he walked into the desert where John the Baptist was preaching. And John looked at him, walking down to him and said to the crowd, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. But not just that, Jesus told John, John, I need you to baptize me. Jesus said, John, I need you to baptize me. John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you, Jesus, because I'm but here to prepare your way. Jesus says, suffer it to be so for now, for such we fulfill all righteousness. But the Bible says, when Jesus went down into the water, he came up out of the water uh, uh, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove and a voice came from heaven, you know it, in, in the form of the Father and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm what? Well, please. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, at Jesus' baptism, God declared it, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But just right after the baptism, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted off by the enemy. And we have it that he had faced three temptations, which is right. One, if you are the son of God, the enemy said in Matthew 4, 4, turn these stones into bread. Two, he says, jump from the cliff. And give your angels command to catch you. And three, he says, bow down and worship me. I posit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that these three temptations can be summed up in one big temptation. And that is the temptation of identity. In Matthew 4, my brothers and sisters, in essence... The first temptation where the devil says, if you're the son of God, turn stone into bread. What the enemy was saying is that, show me that you can do something. <clears throat> show me that you can do something. Brothers and sisters, I hereby posit, especially to a young people, that you are not what you do. 
The second temptation, the enemy said to him, my brothers and sisters, jump from cliff and give your angels command over you. Brothers and sisters, people will be impressed and speak well of you when you do things that they want you to do. We are not what people say about us. <laughs> and the third one, of course, bow before me and I'll give you possession. I'll give you possessions. I want you to know that we are not what we have. And these have been the basis of our temptations over the years, my brothers and sisters. And it has been a case where we have misunderstood our identity and Satan has gotten some ways into our lives. The three temptations are about one big thing and that is our identity in Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. Before Jesus preached his first sermon, before Jesus healed anyone, before Jesus did any miracle, my brothers and sisters, God declared it that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus didn't have to do anything to earn anything from God the Father. God says, you are my son, not because of what you have, not because of what you've been doing, not because of what you have done. You are my son because you are my son. Your identity is not based on your achievement. One thing that kept Jesus going, and we can learn from his life, my brothers and sisters, was the fact that his identity was found in God. Our identity is based on our connection with the Heavenly Father, my brothers and sisters. And the enemy whispers in our ears these lies that we are what we have. He whispers in our ears that we are what we do. We are what others say about us. But in the name of Jesus, today I declare to you that your identity is in Christ Jesus. And there are those who adopt these lies and have false beliefs in their lives. And there are those who tell me sometimes, oh pastor, I am my personality. I'm declaring to you by the power of God's words that you are not your personality. You're not what your Facebook or Instagram page say about you. You are a child of God. Before Facebook existed, before you had any followers or any likes, my brothers and sisters, you had a God who loved you with an everlasting love. And this love can never grow old. You're not your performance. You're not your body. You're not your digital technology. You're not your house. You're not your car. You're not what you wear. You are a child of God. The truth is, you're God's masterpiece. You are significant. You are content. You are secured. You are loved. You are safe. And somebody needs to remind it today that you are treasured by Almighty God. Hmm. Growing seasons strong, growing strong in the seasons of life, the author writes on page 464, here's what he says, cultivate your own capabilities. <laughs> Rabbits don't fly. <laughs> Eagles don't swim. Ducks look funny trying to climb. He says squirrels don't have feathers. Stop comparing yourselves. The challenge we have sometimes is that we're comparing ourselves with others. My brothers and sisters, when your identity is not in what others say about you, your identity is in what Jesus has done for you. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Stop comparing with he, she, or the next lady, my brothers and sisters. The author says, enjoy being you. Enjoy being you. Enjoy it, brother. Enjoy being you. There's plenty of room in the forest, and we can all grow in Jesus Christ. Christ knew his identity. And each of us today needs to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Christ as author, at his ministry, he knew who he was. But I want to reflect also, as Hebrews point out, he's the author and he's also the finisher of our faith. 
Christ has finished off our faith is best highlighted in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. The Bible declares in this book, my brothers and sisters, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And the Bible says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen to the word of God. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, church, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those in earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Lessons from a simplified life. As God's chosen children, we need to know how to humble ourselves. Yes, you are not greater than God himself. They're those who take themselves to be God's companions. They think that God cannot do without them. They think that sometimes the church cannot move forward without them. But I'd have you to know, even if one of us or two of us or some of us die today, the church of God will continue because this church belongs to Jesus Christ. Humble yourself in Jesus Christ. Imagine the God of heaven the one who knew no sin. He came in fashion as a man and he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. In preaching Hebrews, the author, he writes on page 158, he says, the radical nature and unique character of the Christian faith is beautifully set forth in this single sentence. For the joy set before him he endured the cross. Scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is striking that joy and shame, he says, cross and throne should be spoken of in the same breath. For the joy of securing our salvation, Jesus endured the cross. He despised the grace, the disgrace, scorned the shame, and then look, he took his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The contrast here, he says, between joy and shame could not be greater and here's Hughes now Hughes right he says the shame of the cross where Christ bore the sins of the world is something infinitely more intense than the pain of the cross others have suffered the pain of crucifixion but Jesus alone has endured the shame of human depravity in all its foulness and degradation. But the cross, the cross is the gateway to joy, his joy and our joy. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, Jesus demonstrated in his life that in order for us to receive true healing, sometimes we have to get vulnerable. One of the challenges we face throughout the world, my brothers and sisters, is that sometimes people aren't given spaces to voice their own concerns. I want you to know that it's okay not to be okay. I, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, it's all right not to be all right. It's okay to admit that you're hurting. It's okay to admit that some things in life traumatizes you. It's okay to say you have been wounded. It's okay, my brothers and sisters, to acknowledge that the sins of this world has caused many scars upon your life and upon my life. But here's the beauty about it. Dead people don't scar. Only those who are striving to live in Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, go through scars. Scars are a sign of life. But I'm praising God today. Through the brokenness of Christ, we are healed. Through the brokenness of Christ, we are healed. You see, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, the Bible says, Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed. 
But by the time we come down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, Now Adam and Eve were naked, but now they were ashamed. What happened between Genesis 2.25, Genesis 3.10? We know Adam and Eve were instructed not to eat of the fruit of the garden that God had told them. But brothers and sisters, they ate of it and sin crept into this universe. Sin causes guilt and shame. But I'm happy for the promise of Genesis 3.15. The Bible says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, thou shalt bruise his heel. But praise God, the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. And I'm happy to let the church here at Plantation know that this was not just a promise given, but it was also a promise fulfilled. Because one day, a man named Jesus Christ came through the womb of his mother Mary. Brothers and sisters, he walked the dusty earth of Palestine. And then he went to a place called Golgotha. They hung him wide, brothers and sisters. They stretched him high. He died for your sins and for my sins. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of that, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they have done. But I'm happy to let you know, I don't serve a dead God. Plantation, I don't serve a dead God. The reason why we can speak the name of Jesus, praise team, is because we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hands of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time plantation need him, Jesus is always there. Brothers and sisters, God is alive and well. He's alive and well. There are those who are serving gods whose bones can be found in tombs. But when you check the tomb of Buddha, the bones are there. When you check the tomb of Muhammad, the bones are there. When you check the tomb of Haile Selassie, his bones are there. But when you drove over into Jerusalem and you go to a tomb that was hung out by Joseph, my brothers and sisters, and you check for the bones of the one who has died, who died on the cross of Calvary, you'll notice that there's no bones there. But there was, when the disciples reached there, a, a, a folded a piece of cloth, and that cloth was symbolizing, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Mm. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and well. And that's why the author of Hebrew tells us, verses 1 and 2, that Jesus despised the shame. And what are you talking about, pastor? In order to heal the nakedness of men, in order to heal the nakedness, the shame and guilt of humanity, Jesus himself became naked. In order for him to ransom us, brothers and sisters, from our sins, he had to take our place. So Adam, Eve, and those throughout earth's history would have hope in only the Son of God, despising the shame. Isaiah said it this way, in Isaiah 53, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our sins. But praise God, through his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. And so as a church, as we learn to live simplified life, we must create avenues where people can tell their stories. It's okay, my brothers and sisters, for you to be able to share your story with me. That's why we're a family. That's why we're a community. We come and we share the stories as to how God has blessed us. Yes, but we also share the pains, the heartaches, and we pray for each other. We pray for each other. We support each other in the cause of God. I've had my own humbling experience. <laughs> Having graduated, Mrs. Thompson from Northern Caribbean University, and I worked in the best office ever, the records office. <laughs> I worked in that office for my entire time, Pastor Rose, at... Northern Caribbean University, graduated, spent some years in ministry in Jamaica, Northeast Jamaica Conference, both in the school and in the conference. 
But then I decided it was time for some development. I wanted to do more studies, Dr. Robinson. And I decided that I was going to transition to Andrews University Theological Seminary. <laughs> and in that transition, my brothers and sisters, I didn't know where the tuition would be coming from, but I was walking by faith. And God's children still need to walk by faith. I walked out of my job, Northeast Jamaica Conference, decided to go over to Bering Springs, Michigan. Whilst over in Bering Springs, Michigan, I called a few of my colleagues who have been there and finished their schooling at Angels. How it is that you survive? Where did you work? And the response kept coming from them. We worked at custodials. And for a while, brothers and sisters, I thought about working at custodial. For some times, I thought that it would have been easier for me to have stayed back in Jamaica and work with my conference rather than coming to work with custodians. There's nothing, and I've come to discover it, I'm telling you about my humbling experience. There's nothing wrong with working with custodians. It's one of the most beautiful places to work upon this earth. Whilst there, I was cleaning. <laughs> I was cleaning the bathrooms. I was cleaning one of the buildings. When my friends from Jamaica called me, they asked me, where were you working? I told them, I'm working in the president's office. <laughs> And that was true. <laughs> that was very true. I, I was working in the president's office, Pastor Rose. But what were you doing in the president's office? I was cleaning the building. I was cleaning the bathroom. I was cleaning the offices. <laughs> but while I was working there, I met a gentleman. And this humbled me. It humbled me, my brothers and sisters. This gentleman, Gilbert Wari, by name... And his photo is on the screen because I asked him permission and he told me you could share. I was working on the third floor and he was working on the second floor. So I invited this gentleman to tell me, what is your story? And again, it is important to listen to people's stories. So I asked him, Gilbert, what is your story? How long have you been here? He said, I've been here for over five years. I've been working on my PhD. I already, already had my demon, doctor of ministry, but I need now a PhD. But I've been here over five years and I've been wiping the floor, not the president's office. I'm at the president's office. He's on the, the, at the second floor wiping the finance office. So I asked him, what, what, what's your story? And he said, I was the president of the division, the East Central Africa division. And brothers and sisters, it struck my heart. And to those who don't understand, this meant that this man was a vice president of the World Church, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And he has been working in custodials for over five years and appreciating his job. It humbled me. It brought me into tears. And I was there saying, oh, I was youth director. I was pastor of eight churches. But then the Lord said to me, you are nothing without me. You need to humble yourself. And by God's grace, I kept on cleaning. I kept on cleaning. I gave of my best. I never cleaned that well until I shared and listened to his story, my brothers and sisters. And when I started cleaning the offices, I was transferred now to the seminary building. And whilst in the seminary building, my brothers and sisters, I cleaned with all I got. I cleaned the building. I cleaned the bathroom. I cleaned everything that I had a chance to clean. And one day, someone looked at me and said, I've noticed the way you've been cleaning these buildings. I noted the care that you give to it as I was taught of course by Mrs. Thompson at the records office. I noted your care and he asked me, do you want to work in the seminary building? And I asked him, but I'm working in the seminary building. What are you talking about? He asked me, do you want to work in the dean's office? And brothers and sisters, that gentleman I told him I couldn't just leave custodial like that. I needed to give them notice. He said, I'll wait on you for however long you have to wait, but I want you to work with me in the dean's office. 
What, what, what I'm saying to someone today, even if I didn't get that job in the dean's office, wherever God plants you, my brothers and sisters, give of your best to the master. And it pays to wait on the Lord. My brothers and sisters, I've been continuing that faith walk at Angels University. Thank God for Auntie Shan. Thank God for Mrs. Thompson and others who have continuously supported in this walk with Jesus Christ. In this journey, my brothers and sisters. But I'd have you to know that God has great plans in answer to prayers for his children. Wintley Phipps said it this way. It is in the quiet crucible of your private personal suffering that your noblest dreams are born and God's greatest gifts are given. I need to say it again so somebody can hear it. He said, it is in the quiet crucible of your personal private sufferings that your noblest dreams are born and God's greatest gifts are given. My brothers and sisters, whatever you do for Jesus, give of your best to the master. You have a rich ministry here. Sign up for it. Sign up to be a disciple for Jesus Christ. Sign up to go into the communities and minister to men, women, boy, and girl to let them know that this world is coming to an end and that they need to prepare to meet Jesus. One of my favorite quotes from Ellen G. White is a book she wrote called Ministry of Healing, page 474. Here's what she said, and I hope you capture it carefully. It's on the screen. It says, in the future life, in the future life, the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us, they will be made plain. <laughs> we shall see, listen church, we shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and our disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. I don't know what you're experiencing now. I don't know what you've experienced in your past. But sometimes you've been praying and it doesn't seem like your prayer is reaching farther than the roof. Sometimes you pray and you wonder, is God really listening to my prayers? I want to remind you of this today, that even though your prayers may seem unanswered, my brothers and sisters, these are among some of your greatest blessings. Because truth be told, should God have answered some of our prayers, some of us would not have been here now. Should God have answered some prayers that you prayed a few weeks, months ago, you would not have been here now. Perhaps you'd have been on the street, out of your mind. But thanks be to God, he knows how to answer prayers. As you go through life situations, remember, as David says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want you to know I'm continuing my journey. I don't know how it is going to end, but I'm continuing with Jesus Christ. Yes, I owe tuition at Andrews University, but he who has begun a good work in me is going to perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Someone is broken here today. Someone is discouraged. Someone may be feeling hopeless. Someone may be feeling lost. But today, I want to remind you, there's hope in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, wherefore, God has so highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, church of God, there's no other name like Jesus. It's the sweetest name we know. It's the angel angels joy in heaven it's the christians joy below sweet name dear name there's no other name like jesus i'm talking about jesus we speak the name of jesus he's food when we're hungry he's water when we're thirsty He's strength when we're tired. He's hope for today and for tomorrow. He's clothes when we're naked. He is our great physician. And when we're sick, he says there's still a balm in Gilead. Jesus is the lawyer in the courtroom. But noted and greatest of all, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. One day, the author and finish off our faith is going to say enough 
is enough. I'm going to get my children. He's going to step out on the clouds to call his children home. John, in Revelation, he saw it. He says, I saw a new heaven. Church of God, I saw a new heaven. And I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. John says, my brothers and sisters, in that new heaven, in that new earth, there was no more sea. For John, the sea was a means of separation. Family members' choir was separated from each other. But John says, in that city, there'll be no more separation. In that city, God himself will be with us and will be our God. And to those who mourn, last night after 12, I got a call that there was a major accident in, in St. Mary where another young man died, my brothers and sisters, one whom we've been ministering to. But in that city, the Bible says, there'll be no more accidents. In that city, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more sickness. There shall be no more pains. There shall be no more crying. There shall be, praise God, no more death. For the former things are passed away. Plantation, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me, Jesus says. In my father's house, <laughs> in my father's house are many mansions. There's a mansion for you. There's a mansion for you. And there's a mansion for me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he says, I would have told you. I am going, Jesus says, I am going to prepare. And last night we learned that what Jesus said he was doing was to create an opportunity for all of us to make it to his kingdom. And I'm happy to God he went. Because if he went, I know he's coming back again. <laughs> I know if he went, he's coming back again. The disciples, while they walked with Jesus... They walked with him up on the Mount Olivet, Acts 1, 11, and they saw Jesus ascending in heaven. The angel of the Lord around Jesus in white apparel said to them, ye men of Galilee, <laughs> why stand you gaze up into heaven? This same Jesus, not another, not a twin brother, but this same Jesus, whom you've seen ascending in heaven. He's going to come in like manner as you've seen him going to heaven. And I'm longing for that day. I'm longing for that day where Jesus will say, going to the cross wasn't easy, but it was worth it. I'm longing for the day when we'll sing that song, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and let's crown him church implantation let us crown him lord of lords we're gonna crown him king of kings and lord of lords what a day what a day what a day that's going to be i'm looking forward to that day with great anticipation we'll be reunited with loved ones who have fallen asleep in christ but most of all I look upon the face of the one who despised the shame and is now sat down at the right hand of the Father. I look up in the face of Jesus and I'll tell him, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. There are individuals here today who haven't yet surrendered their hearts totally to Jesus. And you're saying, Pastor, I invite you to pray for me on this the second Sabbath in the year 2024 I'm inviting you to pray for me that very soon I'll surrender my heart to Jesus very soon I'll dedicate my heart totally and wholly to him that by the grace of God I'll be able to sing nothing between my soul and the Savior is there one here today who wants to say pastor include me in such a prayer where you are I see your hand my sister God knows your heart my brothers and sisters he knows your heart. Would you stand with me, church, as we sing? And even as we sing, those persons will raise their hands indicating 
that you want to be totally surrendered to Jesus Christ would you come to this altar we want to pray for you you're not yet surrendered to Jesus the praise team is singing while they're singing today I'm inviting you to walk to the altar as we commit to Jesus Christ of this year as God permits you're going to surrender all to him give him your hearts and even to the point of getting baptized and surrendering all to Jesus is there one person who wants to say pastor I want you to pray for me that even as I contemplate giving my heart to Jesus holy to him that he'll acknowledge within me my brothers and sisters that I have his identity I am his child his beloved child would you walk to the altar today I want to shake your hands as you give Jesus Christ your heart. Is there one here today? As the praise team continues in singing, would you walk to the altar? Please, walk for Jesus today. You're not yet surrendered. Acknowledge his grace, acknowledge his love, and walk, shake my hand, as you give your heart to Jesus Christ. Pastor, please do not leave me out of this prayer that very soon I'll surrender my heart to Jesus. And even as Pastor Rose continues to speak, if you hear the voice of Jesus, harden not your hearts as you seek to commit your life to Him. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. The truth is that your presence here is not coincidental it's providential that God has been chasing you all your life and now he calls he makes the offer of salvation makes the, the offer of salvation the thing about salvation is that God cannot save you without you. You've got to surrender to Him. It takes just one step. Just one step. Just one step. Just the first step. Our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed, and we're praying for you. 
that you have the courage just to come. Just to come. We thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the preacher who was faithful to the word. We thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit in the service. That even now as I'm praying, your words are still resonating with somebody. Even now as I'm praying, you're doing what only you can. All that Pastor Gordon could do is present the word and make the appeal. But Holy Spirit, only you can speak to the heart. And so right now, may you continue to do what only you can. Speak to that heart. Help them to know the joy of full surrender. Of full surrender. Of full surrender. Lord, we're leaving the service knowing that we're not the sum total of our stuff. Knowing that we're not who people say we are. Knowing that we're not defined by our zip code. We're leaving the service knowing that our identity is in Jesus. So regardless of the likes and the responses of others, regardless of that, we, we know that you love us with an everlasting love. That as you said through Paul, that even while we were sinners, you died, you paid the ultimate price for us. And so we leave this service not just believing, we leave this service knowing, knowing that I am who you say I am. Your identity, my identity is founded in Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. I am who God say I am. Now now turn to your other neighbor. Say other neighbor. I am who God say I am. As you're taking your This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.